This morning, as we get into the sermon, I'll open us up in prayer in just a minute, but we are dealing with a very uh, a large topic, and I guess I want to throw a disclaimer out there like I always do so that you can't sue me later, is that I am not a doctor. I am not a psychologist. I am a preacher, and I am somebody that my calling is to be a spiritual help and that I would help you walk in a way that is pleasing to Jesus. And so I think what's happened a lot of times in our pulpits today is that we have a bunch of self-help people, and that's not what I am. But I will say some things this morning that deal with anxiety, worry, and depression. But I tell you, I don't have all the answers. But I want to give you some answers from a biblical worldview of giving you things that you can use to help fight off these things. And why do I say that? is because, as I said last week, in a given year, nearly 50 million Americans will struggle with some sort of panic attack, phobia, or some sort of anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders are the number one mental health problem among, among women, and second for men only behind drug and alcohol-related issues. Huge issue. It's actually, they call it an epidemic within our society. So 50 million people... And we are a 300 million people population. I'd say that's pretty large. I think we're, we are stressed out. Um, also, I share that citizens in our country, in, in, oh, citizens in other countries experience one fifth of the anxiety levels we struggle with in America. Yet they, the, they are poor and have less than we do, but when they migrate to America, something weird happens to them, is they also begin to feel a sense of anxiety and worry. So when I look at these stats and when I think of the spiritual climax of America, this must be a spiritual problem. This isn't just a physical problem. And, and I think we have a very much a defense as believers that we are not to walk in worry. We are not to walk in anxiety and in different areas. But here's the deal. All of us, at one point in time, we struggle with it at different times. And so I want to hit that in uh, last week, this week, and a few more weeks. And it does say something about our culture. And then something that really startles me is the average child now experiences more anxiety than the average mental health patient in the 1950s. When I heard that stat, I was amazed and I just thought, man, this is not good for us as a nation. We are stressed out. And if you think about it, the mom and dad who continue to push their children to be better, to be higher educated, to be smarter, to have good grades, and then taking them from practice to practice, and then no longer does God have the priority, priority, but our education is a priority. Sports is a priority. And different things have taken the place of really what Jesus was meant to be, and He is the ultimate priority. Um, I, as a, as a young father, um, we struggle with the same things. How much do we allow our kids to be in sports? What activities are we allowing them to do? And, and what we want to see our kids succeed, right? All of us want to see our children succeed and our grandchildren, but it's causing us to be stressed. And I think there's an issue. And what I want to do for us as a church going into 2018 is that we should be the most stress-free people on the face of the earth. When people look at believers, they should be able to see that we are steadfast and that we know where our help comes from. 
And I'm afraid that maybe we're not giving the right example to the world. So in light of that, let's pray together. Father, I thank You for Your peace. And I thank You, Jesus, that You gave us one of the greatest psalms. It wasn't just meant for funerals, but it was meant for our lives, is that that I will not fear. Even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, or the valley of death, or deep depression, or anxiety, or whatever it is, Lord, I fear no evil. For You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. And Father, I just pray and just ask You for grace this morning as we look at Your Word. And we ask that You would speak to us. And Lord, if there are those that are anxious amongst us, struggle with depression or fear, Lord, whatever we're struggling with, I pray that Your Word would meet our need today. And Father, we realize that there's a lot of good help out there, but there's nothing like Your Word. And so, Jesus, we depend on You to speak to us. And I invite You, Holy Spirit, to come and and, and give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand, so that we may turn to You, Christ. And we may give You all the glory and the honor and the praise today. And so, Lord, You are good. And we thank You for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. So last week I talked about Psalm 29. And if you didn't get to hear it, you can hear it on a podcast. You go to our website and listen to it. Because there were three key things that I pointed out. And I'll review it really quick. Is The first is praise. The first two verses in that, in that um, Psalm 29 talk about praise. And how beautiful it is is when the righteous and the upright give praise to the Lord. And it also allows us to take our eyes off our problems and put it on the One who created all things. And praising is becoming of His people. And then the second point was that His voice is loud. And then oftentimes, and I've been really in the Psalms lately, just reading it, looking for comfort from the Psalms, and I've been comforted from the Psalm probably about 21 to where I'm in 35 now, and there's so much to speak on God's provision, and God holding His people. But as I was reading uh, Psalm 29, I was amazed because I'm like, sometimes I just have a hard time discerning what is the voice of God. And when I read that His voice is louder than the floods, and it roars over all things, and then I'm like, Lord, I can hear You even in the midst of my craziness. And see, oftentimes we think that the Lord only speaks in a still, small voice. And I share that sometimes we all know how it is to get a child's attention in a crowd. You must yell their name at times. And they hear the mom or dad or the grandparent or the teacher, and they stop in their tracks because the Lord, the, the voice just became louder than all others. And sometimes I'm wondering if God isn't wanting to do that with His church. Wanting to speak very loud so that we will listen. But oftentimes I think it's not that He isn't speaking, it's that we're not taking time to listen. And the third point of last week was that God gives strength and peace to His people. And He always sits enthroned above the flood and He sits in a throne as King forever. Those facts do not change. 
And even this morning, I often think about it, if I choose not to praise God, it doesn't mean that He's any less worthy of praise. And sometimes I think we need to just focus on Him, to give Him praise, to give Him our fear, to give Him our anxiety, in the midst of our depression, we need to give Him praise and glory and honor. And so that's a synopsis. Now you don't have to listen to the sermon, so you're, you're good. You're good. So this week, I want to go to another place. And we're going to talk about worry. And the title of it is, Why Do We Worry? And I'm going to hit um, three points out of Matthew chapter 6. So if you could turn your Bible there. But we're going to first consider the birds and observe the wild flowers. And I know we don't see them today, but we are having a warm front. It's pretty awesome. I'm going to wear my shorts today in celebration. And then the point number two is going to be that you cannot serve two masters. And I know we hear that a lot, but you can't. It's impossible. And then the third is the cure for anxiety. And as I've been reading in uh, Max Lucado's new book, Anxious for Nothing, I've been really encouraged by it. And I would suggest that if it, you need a good read, that that is a great book, brand new and um, easy to read, easy to understand. And it talks about these, this subject. And see, the truth of the matter is, is that just because you struggle with anxiety, fear, or depression, it doesn't make you any less of a believer. It doesn't. Because all of this, I'm amazed at worry how I'm just sitting there and all of a sudden worry and an anxious thought comes on me and it comes out of nowhere and then I just begin to reel and then I begin to worry and it gets larger where my problem becomes bigger and bigger. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, where did that come from? This isn't fair. But I want you to know that Satan does not fight fair. He is like a roaring lion seeking someone who he may devour. But you see, as believers... We have what we call this thing called the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. The shield of faith is actually there to quench those fiery darts that are being thrown at you. And that's the shield of faith. And then you take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to fight these things. And so us as believers, we have something else that the world doesn't have. And that's a very big God. It's a Creator of all things. So let's look at what Jesus says about worry. Verse 25. And we'll read through 31. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't He do much more for you? You of little faith. So don't worry saying what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear. 
And I think Jesus is talking to us, even today, about what are we worrying about? What are we fretting about? Now, I get it, there are things that when we look at life, and I don't know if you've ever been there, we talked about this on Wednesday night briefly, but if you've been in that place of need, where you don't know where your bill is going to get paid, you don't know if your job is going to be, exist tomorrow. You're kind of in this state of anxiousness. And I've been there. And I know that up here in Wisconsin, the Fox Valley, we are a working class people. I've heard it said that when, you, when times get tough, you take your boots and you pull them up by the bootstraps and you get to work. And I don't think that's a wrong mentality to have at all. But I often wonder if it takes our eyes off the One who actually provides all things. And as a working class community, and as as we work hard, it's good. But Jesus is saying, have you considered the birds of the sky? They don't sow or reap, and they don't gather into their barns. Yet God provides for the needs. He feeds them. You know, I often think if we were to look out, and we're not going to see very many birds right now, but they're not doing anything of labor. I mean, they're gathering food, they're building nests, but this is all a provision from God. And Jesus is saying, consider them. Now men, I'm going to advise you this morning, is don't just sit down and not do anything. The Bible has said that we are to work, and part of the curse is that we will work for what we have. But why are we worrying? And if God is true to what He says, and He says, Jesus asks the question, are you more important than the birds of the air? And then Jesus goes on and says, hey, why don't you observe the wild flowers of the field? They don't labor, and they do not spin thread. Yet they are more adorned than the King Solomon in all his splendor. God actually clothes them, and they are here today and gone tomorrow. God cares for His creation. But God cares more for us. What do you think of that statement? Do you believe it to be true? That if God truly uh, loves the birds of the sky and the wild flowers of the field, He adorns them, how much more does He care for your life? You see, and I have been into the place, I have been to the place of not having anything. One of my famous stories is what I call, I could title it, The Last Can of Peas. And some of you may not understand this story because some of you may not have ever been in these shoes, but I was there. I had just come to faith in Jesus Christ. I was a drug addict. I was messed up. And nobody was there to pick me up and to, to carry me on and to feed me. And so I was there feeding myself, me and my twin brother. And it was actually before I knew what responsibility was. And I was a late bloomer in my manhood. So, 
I didn't know what it was to pay bills. I didn't know what it was to be responsible. But something happened at my salvation experience. All that began to change. And God began to put in me a heart to work hard and to work as unto Him. And that all I did was for His glory and for His honor. And so now I better get to work and provide for myself. And I remember that one of the first things I did, I began to pay my tithe and I began to give an offering with great joy. And, and it was awesome to be able to do that and then to pay my bills. And I was at a point where I needed so much of God's provision that every check I got was a praise out of my mouth saying, thank you Jesus for this money that you've given me to pay my bills. And I remember that sense of awe of being young in my faith, of knowing that all my provision that was given to me, even if it was through overtime, was from the Lord Jesus Himself. And so I was full of praise. But even in the midst of all that, I remember me and my twin brother, he had just graduated from University of Arkansas, so he was a poor boy. And I was poor. And we were down to one can of peas. And this is the amazing story is that I was like 295 pounds. I know it's hard to believe that, that I was that big and I thought I was really tough. Um, and then I lost weight and realized there's not much underneath that frame. But even in the midst of that and wanting to eat better and different things, we were down to one can of peas and me and my twin brother, we, we loved Jesus we didn't really know where our next meal was going to come from. And we cried out to Jesus and He provided for us through our church. We were going to a church in Arkansas and the church got together, the Sunday school class that we were involved in, and brought what we call, I don't know, a food offering. And brought a couple boxes for me and my brother to, to fill our pantry again. And I will tell you the truth. Since that time, I've lost, I lost 100 pounds, but it wasn't because we didn't have food. It's because I had better food. But I have not been in lack since. You see, and so you're thinking of this story, and you're like, well, what does that have to do with me? The point is, is no matter where you are at today, and this may be for somebody, if it's just for one person, that God wants to provide for your needs. And that He will provide for your needs. And we have this hope. You see in Matthew 6, verse 27, it says this, Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And I kind of talked about this last week. In 2017, all your worries, think about your worries, your anxiety, everything that you struggled with that you're not carrying into 2018 because there's probably some things that you're carrying in here. But what? think about it. Is your life any less because you were worried? Now, how do I say that? My point is, is that it is past and you are still here. Although you worried, you fretted, you stayed up at night, God has still sustained your life and you are here today. And so if we look at that from the logic standpoint, then why are we worrying today? 
Because God will provide for us. And if anything, the facts and the stats tell us that worry and anxiety takes away from life. It does not give life. Our lives become shorter because of worry and anxiety. And this is an epidemic within our American culture, but I would like to say it doesn't have to be an epidemic within the church. And what does worrying do to us? It makes us cranky. It makes us stressed out. And we take our eyes off of Jesus. And what I'd like to say that worry... um, and then working, wor- uh, worry and then acting out on our worries, we have crossed over in what I would call the God zone this morning. So I want you to think about it just for a moment, is this is the God zone. And see, what worry does is it takes us and it places us right where God is, and it puts ourselves on the seat, it puts ourselves on the throne, and we're going to say, God, we're going to figure this out for you. And how many times has our actions made our situations worse? Because we didn't wait on God. We didn't seek Him first and ask Him for His help. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Two prime examples from the Old Testament. You know, Abraham was promised a uh, seed, and that seed was going to be a big seed, and we're part of that seed this morning. But as Abraham was getting old and he was up in age, his wife Sarah came to him and said, Hey, Abraham, look, I am not able to give you the promise that God has for you, but here's my servant, Hagar, take her. Kind of taking the place of God and saying, Hey, I don't know if God's going to do this, but here you go. And we know what that has created even in the world today where there's deep hatred between Hagar's seed, which is Abraham's seed, and the promise Isaac. And we see promise Isaac. And we see in the New Testament it says that one was born out of flesh, and one was born from the Spirit, the promise. And you see so often that we're taking the flesh, and we're moving in the flesh, and we're trying to create God's solution out of the flesh, out of our own actions, instead of depending on His promise. And you see, Jesus says, and He's admonishing us this morning, is don't worry. God has this. And a practical solution for us all this morning is that when our worries overcome us, and our anxieties take over, is instead of starting to fret and starting to just go into our own absorption, is why not cry out in a simple prayer saying, Jesus, this is tough. Jesus, this anxiety is coming upon me and I don't know what to do, but I know that I need to turn to You right now. And would You help me get through this problem? And if you are like so many this morning, is that your last resort? Prayer is your last resort. When He should be your first resort. When we go to God and we ask Him for help, 
And even, I'm telling you, God hears the simplest prayers. God is not a God that sits out there and does not want to be involved in your life. He wants to be the center. And even in the midst of your worry and your struggle right now, could you maybe imagine that God is working character and working something in your life? And because of my past experiences of need, today I can look And truly know that God will provide all my needs according to His riches and glory. It didn't come overnight. It came through much trial and through many tears. But God always provides and He will provide for you. Point number two is that you cannot serve two masters. And so we see as Jesus goes on in this discourse on the Sermon on the Mount, He says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So I'm telling you, your problems, your needs are something that God knows even before you ask. So whatever you are struggling with today, whatever is causing your anxiety, God already knows. And He wants to provide for you. And I think part of the stress and anxiety that we're facing in America today goes in verse 24 of chapter 6. It says, No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So my question would be for you this morning is, are you serving money or is money serving you? You see, Jesus isn't saying here that you shouldn't gain money. He isn't saying that you shouldn't have riches. But He's asking and He's saying, which are you serving? And it's a good question for all of us to ask. Why am I working? Why am I uh, sweating blood and tears? What is my purpose for working so hard and becoming so stressed? Is it to bless the kingdom? Or is it to bless my life? See, there's two different things going on here. See, sometimes we are working hard, we are putting in more time, not to put food on the table, but in order to get something better and neater. And we've got so many toys today that give you a slight pleasure for the moment, but then it breaks down and it brings depression and anxiety and worry. But here's the deal. It's not that you shouldn't have money. But let your money serve you. How can you let your money serve you? Pay your bills. It's a good thing to pay your mortgage. We work, we do, we are toiling by our hands to provide for the things that we need. But sometimes and often we are even crying out in prayer to God for our wants. And we have to discern between a need and a want. And that's really life 101. And I'm telling you, my wants oftentimes go into that need 
area. And I'm often fooled, and if I can just let my wife convince me that it's a, it's a want, and I can wait for that week or that day, that 24-hour period, it passes, and I don't need that thing anymore until next week. So how can you let money serve you? Give to your church, missions, the poor, those in need. You see, oftentimes we're not looking around us and sometimes we say, well, I don't see the needs of those around me, but there are those around you that have a need. And I want to encourage you this morning that those in need will not always be in need. Does that make sense? And there might be that moment that they have a need and you are the only person that can meet it. God wants to use you to meet that need, to get them through this hard time. That's money serving you. Also, buy that car that is reliable to get you back and forth to work. See, I'm not saying don't have good things, but why do you have the good things? And buy the house where you can live and be hospitable in or pay the rent, that you can have a roof over your head and that you can be somebody who glorifies God through paying your bills. See, that's letting money serve you and not you serve money. Because Jesus said that you can't serve both God and money. But you see, when we're looking to God to meet our needs... We're staying on track. Even when we have to work that extra time, we're, we're staying on track. We're saying, God, You provide all things, and I know that You and from You, all good things come. Point number three is a cure for anxiety and a cure for worries. And This isn't about formulas. This is about the Word of God speaking truth to us. In verse 33-34, through 34 says this in chapter 6 of Matthew, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. And remember, tomorrow never comes. Just remember that. It never comes. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the Creator of all things is telling us that seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the things that you need will be provided for you. And I want you to make sure that you understand that it's not a list of rules and then you get down at the end of the day and say, God, why didn't you provide for me because I sought your kingdom today? No, what it is is sinking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness is saying, Jesus, You are the Lord of all. Whatever you choose today, however the outcome comes, whatever happens is that You are the Lord of all and I'm going to trust You with my life, I'm going to trust You with my affections, and I'm going to trust You with my worries. So seeking first the kingdom of God is a cure for anxiety. It doesn't mean you won't struggle with it. But when you memorize these Scriptures and when you place them in your heart, you will have something to stand on. Psalm 34, if you could go there with me. Verse 
And it says this, and there's some promises here. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and rescues Him. Another cure for anxiety and our fears is that we seek the Lord. And He will answer and He will rescue you from your fears. And those that look to Him will be radiant with joy. And I don't know about you, I've been through some hard circumstances in life, but I will say this one thing, that inside me there is a joy that is unspeakable and that no man can steal from me. And it will always be there, even in the hardest of times. And then it goes on in verse 8 through 10 Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord, for those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry. But those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. Do you hear what it's saying here? I sought the Lord, and He answered me. And I seek the Lord, and I will lack no good thing. And then we'll go back to Matthew 7, and we'll end here before we take communion this morning. And I want to encourage you, if you are needing something this morning, to seek God with all your heart. To cry out to Him and ask Him to meet your need and to hold to His promises. You see, I have given you promises this morning that you can take it to the bank. That you have someone up who has created all things and He keeps his promises for his child. And if you aren't a child of God this morning, I'm going I'm to ask you this morning that you would give your heart to Jesus and become a brother and sister in the Lord. Because not everybody can call God Father. There's only one way to come to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ alone. But listen to this in chapter 7. Verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if a son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. And some say scorpion. Some translations say scorpions. Either way, both are scary. If you then, Jesus is saying this, you who are evil, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give good good things to those who ask Him? The cure for our anxiety, the cure for our fear, is that we would seek the Lord, we would ask, and that we would not. And these words here that God is using, Jesus is speaking to us, are a continuous presence. They are something that is is ask and asking. Seek and seeking. Knock and keep knocking. It's not something we do at a one-time, on a one-time basis. If you could just real quick indulge with me, and I'm not real sure if I'll sing. I got a really bad voice. But take your hymnals if you got them in front of you. Should be in the pews. I thought about taking them up and then I get these crazy ideas that they will use them one day. Um, go to page 241. And before we take communion this morning and we do a song of worship, I want us to read verse 1 together. Maybe you can read it with me if we can do it in unison. So let's start. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. So if you would indulge with me just for a moment and sing this, just the chorus with me. Oh, I don't know why I do this to myself, but I just love it. It's in my head. It's really good. So let's do it together. Two times. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I pray to Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace. To trust Him more. So as you go this week, and there's just different times that we face different things, I want you to think about this hymn. It's tis sweet to trust in Jesus. And I like the way this hymnal ends. Oh, for grace to trust Him more. And it is a grace to trust Him more. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, we can cry out to Jesus and ask Him for grace to just trust Him more. So this morning as we're getting ready to take communion, it is an open communion here. And so all we ask is that you've put your trust in Jesus Christ and that you've made Him Lord of your life and you are able to take communion with us this morning. But I want you to think of all your anxieties, all your fear, and all your worries. And 
And I want you to just to take those things, whatever is bothering you, whatever you're struggling with, is that you would take a moment before you come and get communion. And you just ask Jesus to be Lord of that area. And if you're struggling to give Him that area, to be honest with Him. We are an honest church. We are not a perfect church, but we are a church that is striving to be authentic with Him. And to say, Lord, I'm struggling. Will You help me? And I guarantee the God that I know and the God that loves us and I love Him will come and meet Your need. So as we do the first worship song together, let's have that attitude of praise. And then also, just in case you're new here, this is how we're going to do communion today is during the worship as we come and we get our own elements. So you come and get the cup and you come and get the bread. And this morning we're going to do a little bit different. I would ask you just to take it back to your seat and then wait for me and I'll come up and I'll lead us through the elements this morning. But as we're worshiping and you're ready and your heart is fixed on Jesus and it's where it needs to be, please come and get it as we worship this morning. So please stand.